times where we need to wait um, to be raised up by God. And there are other times when he's already broken our chains and he set us free and we have to choose to rise up. And I kind of felt like that's what God was saying for some of us today, that um, some of us need chains broken. There are some of us who've experienced that and we've had our chains broken. And God's saying, time to believe that. It's time to stand up. It's time to rise up. I'm just going to pray into that. And if if you would just receive that, if that's for you. Jesus, um, thank you for being a God who is for freedom. You are a good, good, good God. Thank you for not wanting a wimpy, weak, powerless people, but thank you for calling a victorious, beautiful church full of warriors, full of passion, full of partners to join with you in your mission. God, thank you for being for freedom. Thank you that it's for freedom that you've set us free. So for any of us in this place who've experienced and tasted your freedom, Jesus, and we're just waiting to stand up, God, would you, Holy Spirit, would you come and just fill us with that ability to just stand up into where you've called us. For anyone who's not experienced your freedom yet, Jesus, in any level, I just ask you to come and bring your freedom all over this place today. Come and do that, Jesus. And put a spirit in us that says, I'm going to stand up to the challenge, I'm going to stand up to fight, and I'm going to stand up to be free. So thank you for that, Jesus. We love you very much. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and have the ushers come forward. We're going to receive our offering as part of our worship. You can go ahead and have a seat. I was thinking about um, how come offering is a part of our worship experience. And when we worship... Uh, We're talking about how incredible God is, how good he is, that we believe in you, we're in, we are for you. And when we're in with God and in on his mission, we're excited to be part of it and to partner with him. So the reason that worship is part of worship is because it's another way of us saying, yeah, we are in Jesus. We agree with you. We are excited about your mission and we're committed to it. Um, In case you're wanting to give um, and you don't have whatever ready in time as the bags come by, there is an offering box in the back on that wall over there. And also our youth cafe, which serves really great coffee and tea and other drinks. Um, we can take credit cards there if you want to give that way as well. So I'm going to pray one more time for the offering and then those will get passed around. Jesus, you're good. Would you bless this offering? We're excited about your mission and we're excited that you've called us to freely join you in that mission. So bless this uh, and just give us strategies and ways to be about your mission and your kingdom and expanding your kingdom in this community. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, Uh, I have some announcements for you guys while those are going around. Exciting announcements. First off, who has ever been a part of Freezing Nights in any way? Raise your hand. Really cool ministry that we're a part of here. Uh, It serves the homeless community in our area. Every other week, uh, they come and we serve them a meal, two meals actually, and spend some time with them. They have a warm place to be. They spend the night here. The first Freezing Nights that we are doing is tomorrow evening, so that's pretty exciting, there's going to be a fish fry fundraiser, a freezing night's fish fry fundraiser. There's a lot of S's in there on December 12th. Um, So you can come. Leroy, who makes awesome fish and meats and other kinds of things, will be cooking, and I'm sure he'll have some help too. Uh, It's donation-based, so come, and all of the proceeds from that will go to freezing nights, which is great. Um, And then at the end of service today, if you have a moment to hang around, we're going to be stacking all the chairs and pushing them to the edges of the room to prepare for freezing nights. So if you have a moment to stick around to help with that, more hands make lighter work for everyone. So that would be great. 
Um, we started a new attendees group on Monday nights. It's not every Monday night. It's every other Monday for three weeks. We had it this last Monday uh, basically to come if you're new in the last six-ish months. Um, since Actually, it's pretty much almost a year. If you're new since we had a pastoral transition, you're welcome to come to that. We're just processing about who we are as a church uh, and kind of where we're going. So anyone who's joined us recently has a chance to kind of get on board with that. The next one is uh, Monday, November 9th. So we'd love to invite you to come to that. And then there will be the final one on Monday, November 23rd. There's a men's Bible study that meets on Thursday mornings here at 7 a.m. They're going through Ephesians. So If you're a guy, you are welcome to come to that at 7 a.m. to study the book of Ephesians. That would be great. And for the women, they have a movie night. I love movies. Um, So there's a women's movie night, but I can't come because I'm not a woman, so I'm sad because I love movies and I can't come. Um, But it is this Friday night at 6.30, and there's going to be a popcorn and candy bar. When I first read that, I thought, that's odd that there's going to be a candy bar. That's a lot to share. And then I realized it's a bar filled with candy and popcorn that people can get, as opposed to, like, a Snickers bar that will be there. So um, come to that. Yeah, you got it. That's good. And that wasn't really a joke. I really did think that the first time I read it. So um, the final Christian yoga faith is going to be this Saturday at 9 a.m. Has anyone come and been a part of that? Yeah, I've heard really great things about that. So yoga faith. Um, Christian Yoga, this Saturday, 9 a.m., the final one for this segment that we've been doing. And uh, I just wrote down, made a note for myself to remind one more time at the end of service, if you have a moment to help us put away the chairs for freezing nights, that would be great. So we are going to watch a short video clip, and I will have you stay tuned because it's pretty exciting. I need, like, a break just from watching that video. Woo! Doing all right? My goodness, that's a phenomenal, phenomenal statement of just how busy we all can get. And so uh, if you didn't pull from that, for the next uh, four weeks, we are going to be talking about this idea of breathing room. So I want everyone just together on the count of three to take a big breath. Ready? One, two, three. (sighs) Because life is better with breathing room. And so we're going to be talking about this idea of margins and having space in our lives. And I was thinking about uh, when I was growing up, I lived with my grandparents. And my grandmother, she was one of those folks that collected a lot of things. By a lot of things, I mean everything. And by everything, I literally mean everything. We had a big shed in our backyard, and we called it the casita, which is funny because that means little shed, but it was a big shed. And when I was little, I remember that's where my grandfather would go and work. That was like his workbench and his tools were out there. And I remember there was a time when he was able to get in there and go and work. But eventually, my grandmother would begin filling that casita, little shed, with stuff. And I remember we would go to flea markets and garage sales and junk in and all kinds of fun stuff. And we would just get all of this stuff. And it was stuff that was awesome. But there was no way that it was going to go in the house that we had. And so it would just go straight from finding it to the car to the shed, to the casita, right? And that, that thing would just get packed, 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 until there was, like, no way that you could fit anything else in there, and then stuff would be leaning against the walls on the outside. We live in California, so it was okay. You could just leave stuff outside all year round. Uh, it wouldn't get rained on. And then, and then I remember eventually my, my grandfather would finally like hit his limit, 
and they would they would be arguing in Spanish, but I'm sure they were talking about the casita because in the next weekend we would be loading the truck with all the treasures that we had found for months and months and months, and then we would head to the flea market and we would offload all of these treasures, and then uh, it would take three or four weeks of just offloading, and then finally my grandfather could get back into the shed, and then he would work for like a you know a month or so in there, and then the cycle would just start again, right? And now some of you have like a closet in your house that is the closet where all of the extra stuff goes, right? And so company comes over and you immediately know, especially if you have younger kids, come on, we'll have some mercy on the, on the folks with the younger kids here. You just know you're going to open this closet and you're just going to pack it as high as you can. And then you're going to uh, slide that thing closed, right? And, and, and that's going to be the place where all the extra just stuff kind of goes, right? Now, when I say that, there's a certain percentage of you in here who are like, are you serious? That would be a nightmare. Like every closet you open has like vacuum sealed stuff in it. And there's like all this space. You can reach in there and find things. And, and uh, you know, and, and if you're the other group, you're like, I know everything that's in there. I just have to open it and then everything goes out and then I can find it. Right. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I'm not passing judgment either way. I'm just saying it's okay to have a closet in your life that looks like that. It's just not okay if your life looks like that. All right? It's okay to have, you know, stuff packed to the gills in some room in your house. I'm not making a judgment on that. But I am saying if your life is packed to the gills and there's no room in there, you may have a problem. You see, margin is the space between your load and your Limit. Now, what do I mean by that? So when uh, when I planted a church in Oregon and we were trying to do some midweek stuff with teenagers and we we're trying to find a place because we didn't have a building to do youth group. And so what we did is we rented this Grange. And I don't know if you know what a Grange is. Uh, Granges are cool buildings. Grangers are cool people. And basically they're farmers that have like an Elks Club kind of thing going and they get together. And I don't know. They talk about farming things, I guess. But they rent out their building. I don't know. They never invited me, right? So, but they do rent out their building from time to time. And, uh, and we had this grange in our town that was uh, pretty close to 100 years old. Uh, it was two stories, but I don't think it was originally built as two stories. I think originally it was built as a barn. It was just a big kind of barn-looking building, and they had made it into two stories. And, and we rented this thing for our youth group. Now, I was really excited because at that time, our whole church fit into a U-Haul truck every weekend. And, uh, and some of you who have been around for a long time know what it's like when your whole church fits in a trailer, right? And so we were excited because we were like, man, we can turn this Grange into an incredible uh, experience because we have all of our tech and all of our gear in this trailer that we can just pull into the Grange. So we would pull in, and for like three hours, we would just unload you know, speakers and boards and amps and all of this cool stuff. And we got everything hooked up into this Grange, and then our, our teenagers would get up there, and they would just rock out, you know, and so they'd get up there, and, and uh, they'd plug everything in, and as soon as they'd go to hit the first note, they'd go, and the whole building would shut down, right? And you're beginning to know why, because this building was 100 years old, and it wasn't wired for the amount of load that we were putting on the system. So then we got creative, and because there was no one who was an electrician around to warn us otherwise, we just bought hundreds of feet of extension cords, 
And we started running extension cords all around the building in any open plug. We were thinking, you know, somehow if we just spread the load over more plugs that we might be able to get through a worship set uh, at the volume that we wanted to be able to get through a worship set at. And so, so we had this building. There's hundreds of feet of cords just running out the window, downstairs, drop down into the kitchen. We're unplugging the coffee pot and plugging, you know, an amp rack into there from upstairs. It was just crazy. And, and still, if the, if, come on now, if the night got a little rocking, we would just boom, and everyone would go, ah, oh, and we'd run around, and we'd try to find which fuse had blown. And so here's the thing. Your margin is the space between your load, how much is possible, or how much you're actually doing, and your limit, the point where things break down. And if you don't have some surge protectors, if you don't have some space, if you don't have a fuse, eventually your load will burn you down. And so what happened was we had this building for almost a year before a fire inspector came. (laughs) Guess how quickly we were out of the building that day. That day, no, here, you got a week to figure this out. It was, come get your stuff out of this building immediately before you burn it down. And we had to send, I wasn't even in town, and I got a call from the Grange director, and she's like, the fire marshal said you guys got to go. And so I'm calling people, I'm like, can you please just take your pickup truck and go get our gear out of there so it doesn't get, you know, I don't know, does the fire marshal confiscate stuff? I don't know, does he bolt the door? Whatever he was going to do, it was going to be ugly, right? Because he realized that our load far exceeded the limit of what was capable to be handled in that space. And so, so that's true in our lives. Our load cannot outseed, outseed, exceed our limits, or we will have major catastrophes. So I asked my friend Kevin. Kevin's going to come up here and share. I met Kevin a couple months ago. Um, if you haven't had a chance to meet Kevin and Lori, they are phenomenal uh, people. And he shared a story about just learning to trust God and have some limits in his life. So I asked if he'd come and share that quickly with us. Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate it. Um, uh, the, yeah, we have, my, my, again, my name's Kevin Bates. Uh, my wife, Lori, and I, after a 15-month ch- uh, search for a new church in the community after we left our previous place, uh, kind of happened upon Celebration Center uh, three weeks after Mike and Christine got here. Uh, and it was, that was the beginning of a number of blessings that we've seen from coming to this church. And I just, uh, through six to eight hours of spending time with, uh, with Mike and with Christine, we've done some stuff as a family and everything. There's only one time I've ever questioned his wisdom. And that was when he said, Hey, can you do three minutes on Sunday morning? Now I can speak 10 minutes on something I don't know. And so, uh, so three minutes on, on this thing that I've been dealing with in my life for the last year, uh, it will be a challenge, but we'll get it. It says 1050 and I'll, I'll, I'll burn through it. Um, my story, my wife and I, we have five kids. We have three older ones, all college students, 18, 19, and 20. And we have two that are 10 and 12, almost 12. Uh, we had a nice wet uh, evening last night uh, uh, as a Star Wars game, but we had a, we had a wonderful time. I'm sure you all have similar stories, but, uh, uh my story starts, um, I worked for about 17 years for an organization called Evangelical Christian Credit Union. Uh, we did uh, church and ministry banking and lending, financing, that kind of thing. I've been with them for 16 years. Um, and one of the things I really appreciated about ECCU was the fact that they had a core value of life balance. I mean, it was there. I mean, this is, it was like going to church service. We had a staff meeting every Wednesday morning. It was like working for a church. And one of the core values was life balance. 
And when you have that as a core value and you live it out, when everything's going well, it can be lived out well. You have your weekends. You have your evenings. Even a busy guy like in my position, I was traveling every once in a while, but we still had some good life balance. And so I had kids, my older kids. We did things. We read. We went to go see movies. We played sports. I coached, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, And it allowed for margin and family time. Uh, And then September 16th, 2008 happened. And in the financial industry, any of you that are in the financial industry, everything, everything was on fire. Uh, the church lending uh, industry was not uh, spared that. Um, that was the beginning of a period of time in my life where we were still serving the church, still serving God's kingdom to grow God's kingdom. Um, but the life balance, because, I mean, my territory tripled in size. I was in the Northeast. I was in the Southeast. I was in the Midwest. Uh, you know, at some of the worst times of the year, I was in the deep South in August and I was in the Midwest in February. It was brutal. I was traveling one and a half to two weeks out of every month. Um, and then when I would come home, I was just exhausted. And, and I've got these two little kids that grew up with a different dad than my three older kids because I would come home and I'd be emotionally exhausted. I, I, I wouldn't wrestle. We weren't reading. We weren't doing anything. My marriage suffered. I mean, who's had those epic fights when neither one of you is right, but you're both fighting just because you're fighting. And I was wondering where God was in our lives. And uh, my Friday to Sunday, there was no weekends. There's no weekends. There's no vacations when you are at a place where you're working so hard again for good stuff. Helping churches, helping the kingdom, uh, but you still need your margin. And my health suffered. Uh, I went through seven years of this stuff, and then just an amazing thing happened. Uh, December 17th of last year, I was one of the ones that got caught up in the sixth round of layoffs in six years. And I was bummed for about 15 minutes. I I really was. It was 15 minutes where I just went, oh, man, what am I going to do? And then I went, oh, here's what I'm going to do. Tomorrow morning, I don't have to wake up and do the 25 things that I have to do on a Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I don't have to do Thursday's 25 things plus the 17 from Wednesday I didn't get done. And then Friday at 2 o'clock, I'm not going to have to go, oh, I'm done for today. And then Sunday at 2, I'm not going to have to start going, oh, tomorrow morning i got to wake up. You know, It was ruining football season for me. I could, watch, I could never watch a football game. Um, but then over the course of a couple of months, um, uh, God just released me from so much. The healing, we had to go through some detoxification as a family, me personally. But also, I finally realized that... One of, the, one of the toughest things to realize was the realization that my two younger kids, 12 and 10, they didn't have a dad that loved his job and enjoyed what he was doing and had the margin. And the value of the last 10 months of my life, you know, I'm reading to kids. My kids didn't, could, leave, could take or leave reading a year ago, but now we spent time reading at night because I had time and energy to do that. And now they're all reading. It's little stupid things like that, and I'd be happy to talk more about it a long time. But my wife, six weeks after I was let go, she finally said, I have my husband back. Now, now that's extreme. I didn't have a job, so I had plenty of margin, uh, plenty of margin. But one thing I did know is I wasn't going back into the financial industry. I was going to take some time to decide what I was going to do. Um, I've, I entered into pursuit of a new career. Uh, I'm going to do some nonprofit management and, and fundraising and stuff for a couple of nonprofits in my life. And then there was an absolute Mike reaching out to me last week, or actually it was about two weeks he reached out to me, finalized it last week, 
um, to say something about this was absolutely <laughs> what I needed to hear because as of last week, I am now the executive director of two different nonprofits in town. Um, one is for Helping Hand House, which is an agency in town that helps with homeless families uh, with children. Uh, I'll be doing that 20 to 30 hours a week. Uh, I'm also just accepted a position as executive director of the Federal Way Symphony. So if there's any symphonic folks that love, please come and see me. It's a great little symphony. we got some great things planned. Um, but what I realized is I could easily slip back into not having margin because these are two things that I'm really excited about. And, and you know, and so I need to put that margin back into my life. I need to unplug from the social media. That did stress me out, man. That video did stress me out because that's what I was living. And, I mean, turn off my electronics. Go for a walk. Uh, I've been on a kind of a Facebook sabbatical for a couple of weeks, and I'm going to have to jump back in because I've got to do some marketing stuff. But, but I need to re-implement that practice of having margin. And, and you will, guys, you know, there's some of you here that, that don't think that there's time, that there just isn't time because there's something that's so important. God will bless it. God will bless it. You won't know how, but he will. And so I just encourage you as we go through this next series in the next four, day, four weeks uh, to trust God that he will honor the unplugging that you will do for him. So anyway, thank you. Amen. Very much. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate your heart, Kevin. Thanks for sharing. That was a good deal. I, you know, it's funny because I have a hard time. I have to be transparent with you. Um, not good at what I'm going to preach for the next four weeks. And so I find reasons and excuses to make this about what you need and not what I need. And so the Lord's been dealing even with me on this. And so, uh, so let's go on this journey together for the next few weeks as we talk about the fact that life is better with margin. Now, the difference between your load and your limit is an amazing way to process that. Here's a, here's a funny thing. So for the last uh, few, uh, maybe month and a half now, I've been exercising, working out in the morning with a group of guys. And I never, yeah, I never really was honest about what my limits are before. But there's something very honest about if you put one more weight on this, I can't lift it, that you have an actual physical limit that you can see. Now, there's a thing that happens when there's a few guys that are together. You don't want to admit that you got limits. Right? You don't want to admit, oh, yeah, I could do a little bit more. I could do a little bit more. So something happened to me last week that was silly. I was unsupervised, so it's my fault. And we were, uh, we were doing just bicep curl things with whatever the funky-looking bar thing is. And, uh, and I didn't want to admit that this was more than I could do. And, you know, because that would imply I have to walk over, set this bar down, and grab a lighter bar. That's like a walk of shame in my mind, Right? So I'm going to, I pick this bar up. This is the one I'm going to do. So I'm throwing this thing up and I'm throwing it up, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, smile, but really I got like this bead of sweat going down my face. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm not quitting until I hit the number. And then I stop. I hit the number. I'm like, nope, I'm going to go again. Right. Let's see what I can do. And, and no one's watching me, but in somewhere in my mind, there's this idea that someone will see me not do my best or put this bar down. And so I put it down we get to the, you know, we get through everything else and I go home and I'm like, Hey. Something's, something's wrong over here on my, what is that? So now for a week, I can't lift my hand over my head. Good job, Pastor Mike. You have a limit. You have a limit. So I'm worshiping like this, like a three-quarter arm and an arm up, because now what happens when you go blowing past your limit? There's consequences. Something has to give. So in this case, it was my shoulder. Good job. And so, but that's the true case 
for our lives. You know that this is true in your life. I don't have to convince you of this being true in your life. What's amazing, if you're here today, and, uh, and maybe this is one of the first times you come, I'm so glad that you've come. Because no matter what you think about Jesus, you know this principle is true in the world, right? If, you ex- if your load exceeds your limit, something breaks down. You know that's true. If you've been on a journey with Jesus for a long time, maybe like me, Maybe you have to be a little bit recalibrated on what your margins really are. And so I got to tell you, I did not like writing this message. I was trying to justify myself. This is going to be too self-helpish. And we, you know, we're just going to get into the word. And God doesn't really, you know, expect that out of us. And, you know, I'll, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, I got eternity to spend with Jesus. I'll rest on that side of the kingdom. And, and I have that kind of mindset. And the Lord had to literally, literally slow me down and take me into his word and chastise me a little bit, like I'm thinking he may do you a little bit, and recalibrate me and remind me that he designed us to have margin and that the life he's gifted us with here is better with breathing room. And so I was thinking, okay, I'm like, so does, does Jesus ever talk about this? Does Jesus ever, like, you know, I'm getting into the word. I'm like, okay, Jesus, what do you, what do you have to say? And, and uh, you know, I was wrestling with it. And so in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says these words, and we've heard this before. He says, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Rest. Take my yoke, that's funny words, yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest. Let's leave it right here. For your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. back up. For your souls. Now, that word yoke is an interesting word. If you're not familiar with that, uh, maybe like me, you grew up in a city and you've never seen a yoke except for someone go, I'm yoked. And, you know, they put their arms up. And I think yoke is just bice, big biceps, right? But a yoke was a thing they put on an oxen so that an oxen could be productive in its work it was it's like a big thing that goes over its shoulders so that it can pull and it can harvest the grain and if it didn't have a yoke it couldn't be as productive a yoke wasn't a negative thing it was helpful to get the maximum amount of work out of something i'm doing this much work anyways i'd rather have a bigger amount of productivity and that's what a yoke allowed you to do now, here's the thing about a yoke. In these times, there would be like a carpenter or someone who was like a, an expert, and they would carve out a yoke that was custom fit for that particular oxen. Not every oxen is the same size, shape, girth, width, whatever. And if that yoke was on the oxen and it didn't fit, then the oxen would work extra hard to accomplish less work. And so it was critical that that yoke fit Because if the yoke fit, I could accomplish what I was designed to accomplish, and it would be easier. So here's Jesus using this picture of there's a yoke for your life. There's something for you to do that fits you. And when you're wearing the yoke that fits you, you can accomplish what you're designed to accomplish. And it's light. And you can manage it, and it will fill you, and it will bring you joy. I love to work. I love getting things done. I love that. It's filling to do that and accomplish something. And Jesus is saying, that's awesome. I've designed you for that. My yoke that I designed for you works. Now, here's our problem. We take a yoke from anyone who wants to throw it at us. 
Some of you know when you look at your caller ID that someone that if you take that call, someone's about to throw some more work into your life. Someone's about to throw some more grief, some more stress in your life. Some of you have created your own yoke and said, this is what I want my life to look like. So I'm going to do this. And you're just like me with that bar. You're like, I'm just going to Hercules this thing. I'm just going to take it to the next level. And it's burden is too much for how you've been designed. And so your load is quickly coming up to and exceeding your limit. And there's no margin. And there's no margin. Jesus says, no, 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 no. And I love this. And he says, if you do this, you'll find rest for your souls. Now, that wrecked me this week. I've been, I've been messing with that. That changed next week's message, that idea. And so next week's all messed up because of this idea that the rest isn't just like a physical rest. Sometimes I feel like, oh, if I just got physical rest. But here's the thing. I've slept like 10, 12 hours before and woke up exhausted. And you've been there too. Because though your body was recovering... Your soul is carrying so much weight. And that didn't shut off just because you slept. That didn't shut off just because you took a day off. That didn't shut off because you, you know, created a little bit of physical space. Jesus says, when you're doing what I've designed you to do and you come to me, you'll have an internal rest for your soul. So we're going to get there eventually. So don't miss next week or podcast it because you're going to want to hear about that. That's a, that's a good deal. So Jesus talks about that. Then I started thinking, you know, this idea of rest, it comes from a long way back. If you open your Bibles to the beginning and you get into Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, right off the bat, day 7, the scripture tells us, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all work creating that he had done. Now, here's the thing I'm thinking about. On the seventh day, God rested. On the sixth day, he created Adam. So one of the first things Adam sees One of the first things, remember, Adam is in perfect communion with God. There's no sin. There's no mistakes. He's just naked, prancing around the garden, naming things. Like, I mean, it's just, he's just like, this is awesome. And on day seven, God's like, hey, check this out. Look how good this is. And I can imagine, now I'm visual, so you got to pardon my heresy. But I can imagine, I'm like, I wonder if God just like strung out a hammock between two mountains and his foot's just hanging over the edge and he's just whistling, singing. You know, the scriptures say he, uh, he sings. That guy has a singing voice. That's pretty amazing, right? He's just chilling. And here's Adam and he's like in the garden. And he's like, oh, this thing's hideous, platypus. You know, this thing, this thing's, you know, this thing's awesome. Golden retriever, you know. I mean, he's just naming things and just having fun. And he looks up. It's day seven. I mean, it's the next day. And here's God, and he's just like, breathing room. Do you think God rested because he was weary? I think he rested because he was tired and exhausted from his day's work. I don't think so. I think God wanted Adam from the beginning. Before even sin had come into the picture, before the crisis of labor was what it became, before the cur- all that stuff happened, he wanted Adam to see that life is better with breathing room. That's pretty amazing. 
That's pretty amazing. So fast forward, uh, and, and you've got uh, Moses leading these Israelites out of Egypt. And, 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 and you guys know the story. I mean, you know, we, how far back you want to go? Uh, jo- Joseph, the, the famine comes. Uh, all of his brothers come. They all live in Egypt. A generation goes by, and pretty soon they're the slaves. For 400 years, they're slaves in Egypt. 400 years, they're slaves. That's all they know. There's no one alive who was not a slave when they were born. And in comes Moses. And, and uh, you know, depending if you're like 35 and up, you've seen the Ten Commandments. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to recap that. Uh, otherwise, you've seen Prince of Egypt. Uh, so you've seen... <laughs> Some of you are waiting for that to collect, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> You've seen something. You know the story, right? The plagues, let my people go. It's awesome. You know, the water, he throws the staff down. Red Sea parts, they go marching through. The water crashes behind them, wipes out the, uh, uh, the chariots that are chasing them. And now they're in the desert. And, and they've been slaves for 400 years. And Moses goes up on the mountain. He's face to face with God. And he comes down with ten commandments. Top ten. Now, you've got to think about something. There's a lot of people now. For 400 years, they've been slaves. He's starting a new nation. If you were starting a nation, you'd write a constitution, a bill of rights. You'd write all of those things, right? This is the first picture of that. He's saying, here's how this group of people behave so that you identify yourself as a nation. And right smack in the middle of that, he says, oh, yeah, and remember the Sabbath. Remember to rest. Can you imagine in the top ten rules, he tells this group of people, you've got to rest. Now think about what that must have been like. We don't, we don't have the right kind of frame of reference. So we've got to get into this frame of reference. You've grown up, most of you, somewhere where you've been expected to have about a 40-hour work week with a couple of days off. And then in those couple of days off, you know, oh, I fill it up with stuff and I'm so busy, right? That's different than if you're a slave. And your family is slaves and your grandma was a slave and your grandpa was a slave and you don't have things called days off. You get up and you work every day until you can't work anymore or they kill you. And then you go to sleep and you get up and you do it again and you go to sleep and you get up. So this idea of rest for this group of people who for 400 years have been slaves. It's got to hit them like a ton of bricks. Wait, are you serious, God? Don't you understand? Now, you also got to remember some things that we we forget about. They didn't have things like refrigerators. Resting could have been fatal for them. They don't have food. They're living in the desert. And you want me to take a day off? Like, don't go marching to find food and foraging. Don't go doing any of the things that, like, seriously, God, Maybe in a couple hundred years when we get established, we can start this day off thing, right? But right at the beginning, when God says, no, 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 you're my people, and you're going to do something here that is totally counterintuitive to how you've been hardwired, you're going to rest. Whoa, that's huge. That's huge. That's massive. You see, the thing is, God was teaching them a principle that having margins connects to our faith. It teaches us to trust that God has got things covered. And we don't like to think that way. I like to have things covered. I like to know that things are covered. I like to manage 
what I have and how much I have and how far it can go. I'll manage my resource. I'll say yes to that. I'll do that thing. I can add that. Sure, no problem. I can handle that. I'll look. Let me get my calendar out, and I'll find the spot to put that in. And God's like, hey, when you think you have to manage everything, you take me out of the picture. When you think it's about you that you're going to have enough food, you take me out of the picture. When you think it's about you that you're going to have enough money, you take me out of the picture. When you think it's about you that you're going to have enough influence, you take me out of the picture. When you think it's you that you're going to have enough positional authority and recognition, you take me out of the picture. So I want you as a people who are called to my name to stop and rest and trust that I am sufficient. Now, that's hard for us. Imagine 400 years of violent work. Like, you don't waste good medicine on sick slaves. You just kill them and get new slaves, right? You save the medicine for people who are, you know, more important than that. I can't even take a sick day. And now God's saying, one out of every seven days, the sun's going to go down and you're going to stop working. And then 24 hours are going to go by. And you're not going to do what you think you need to do to survive. You're going to spend that time on what's most important with your family and trusting me. That makes sense, but I don't like it. It's heavy. And so then in comes through this constitution, this set of laws, some different principles that come out. I'm going to take you to two quick places, um, and then then we're almost there. Uh, Leviticus 19, 9 and 10. He also says this. He institutes the Sabbath. He also institutes the tithe. Don't worry, we're not talking about money today. But basically, this idea that visually you're going to set some of what you got aside, some of what you've collected, harvested, raised, some of it aside, and you're not going to use all of it. Some of it is set aside, right? And, and, uh, and he institutes the Sabbath. Some of your time is going to be set aside. And then listen to this in Leviticus 19. It says, and when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. That's a weird word. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. He says, when you harvest your fields, you got to remember, they didn't have massive, like, you know, 30 acre farms. I don't know, is that a big farm? 100 acre farms. 200 acre. Well, how big is a big farm? They didn't have those, right? These are basically, I have a plot of land and I, I feed my big family out of this plot of land, right? And so they raise crops. And they raised them up, and then they would go through and they'd harvest those, and that would be their money for trading and bartering, their food for their family. That's what they had, okay? And, and so they didn't have banks. And this is a perishable resource that grew in seasons, and then they harvested it. And here's God saying, when you do that, I don't want you to harvest all the way to the edge. The stuff that's out there on the edge, you leave that. You leave that. And... The gleanings, the gleanings is like the good stuff that would just drop to the ground. I don't want you to pick that up. You leave that down there. Are you serious, God? That's like food. That's like meat on the table. That's money. That's profit. That's just sitting. It's right there on the ground. And he's saying, no, 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 no. That stuff you leave behind because there's going to be space in everything you do. You're not going to go to the end. And why? Because that stuff's for others. That's room so that the poor, when they come by, so that the alien, the visitor, when they come by, they're going to have provision because you left space and you didn't consume every single bit. Now, that's hard for us. 
right? If there's an opportunity, that's like, dude, I dropped $20. He's like, leave it. No, seriously, God, I dropped that. Leave it. Are you kidding me? I just, leave it. Now, I'm not telling you every time you drop $20, don't pick it up. But I just want you to get the, the frustration of the visual, right? Leave this space. Leave space on the edge. Don't go all the way to your limit. Don't push your load. Don't say, well, I got one more day. I was going to rest on that day, but I can use that day. If you need some time, I'll give you some time and we'll get together. And we'll, I can use it all the way to the edge. He's like, don't use it all the way to the edge. There's no room for you to trust me out here. Don't go all the way to the edge. Deuteronomy says it again this way in Deuteronomy 24, 19 and 22. He says, when you're harvesting your field and you overlook a sheaf, don't go back and get it. Leave it for the alien, the fatherless, the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, don't go back over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest grapes, as you see the theme here, in your vineyard, don't go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. This is why I commanded you to do this. Remember that you used to have to go to the limits until there was nothing left all the time. And that's not what I called you to. Remember that it used to be all about everything you could possibly get. And then you died. And that's not what I've called you to. Some of you, just that picture of leaving a little bit of meat on the bone. It's going to change your life if you get that in your head. But you're like, wait, I have a little bit more space. I can add this, right? So here's what happens. We're managing our lives, and we're looking at our time, and we're looking at our kids because we love our kids. And we're like, okay, I got you in soccer. I got you in baseball. I got you in football. I got you in band. I got you in dance. I got you in. But you know what? On Wednesdays at 6 in the morning, there's a chess club. I'm going to get you in that, too. And pretty soon we're, we're pushing our lives to such a limit. Who are you trying to do that for? Not your kid. Right? But somehow you got it in your mind that that's, like, if I could just add one more thing, that I could just do one more thing, we'll get there. No. Or you think, oh, if I just had that other vehicle or that other house or I was in that other neighborhood or I got into that other school district or I just got, I just need to get a little bit further, Lord. And I got, mm, and then you run all the way up to the margin. And then your load hits your limit. And then you got a decision to make. Either you back off or you push through. You get damaged. And fallout happens. What's it going to be? God says, leave it. Don't take it back. He says it's a faith issue. It's a faith issue. It's a faith issue for you to leave some room on your schedule. It's a faith issue for you to not spend every dime that comes in on things you want or need. It's a faith issue for you to say no when someone asks you for help, support, whatever it is, because you know you don't have the margin to do it. It's a faith issue for you to send a call to voicemail sometimes. It's a faith issue. Why is it a faith issue? Because why would you not do it? Well, why would I not do it? Well, because I'm afraid. I'm afraid I might miss out. I'm afraid I might not have what someone else has. I'm afraid I might not make my mark if I don't go at that pace. I'm afraid. It's fear that causes us to figure out what our limits are. 
Fear that I won't be enough, that I won't establish my name and be remembered, or that I, my kids won't look at me and think that they got everything they could have got. You know what they wanted? They wanted your time. That's what they wanted. I love Kevin's testimony. They wanted your life. That's what they wanted. It's fear, though, that drives that thing. Now, some of you are you're not totally agreeing with me, and that's okay. You're wrong, but we'll get there. It's a faith issue. God knew it was going to be a faith issue. Imagine if you don't know if you're going to have food tomorrow and God says you still stay home and rest. That's what this context of this, of this law was. That's faith right there. That's do you trust me? Are you willing to go with a little bit less than what you're entitled to or capable of and allow me to fill in that margin? I know it's a faith issue because Jesus tells us that fear is the thing that gets us messing this up. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, and you've heard this, and you hate this. You don't like it. You ignore it, just like I ignore it. He says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, about what you'll eat or drink. Seriously, God, that's not a thing. I have to worry about my life and what I'll eat. I can't. I don't get this figure without worrying about those things. Or about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Don't they, they don't sow or reap or stow away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? You're pushing to the limits like you're going to actually get more time. But your limits are limits. You still get 24 hours. You still get one body, and when it breaks down, that's the only one. There's only so many do-overs you can get. Like if you fail fourth grade, you might get another year of fourth grade. But if you fail your 20s, you're now 30. Right? You don't get to be 20 again. If you fail your 40s, you're now 50. You don't get to go back in that time. That you, don't, you only get so many do-overs. He's saying you can't add any more hours to your life. He says, and don't, don't worry about clothes. See the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. It's that if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, how will he not much more clothe you, O you of little what? Faith. Ouch. Hey, this is a faith issue. When you don't put margins of space in your life, it's a faith issue. Catch this. So don't worry. I should just stop right there and drop the mic. So don't worry. Stop it saying, what are we going to eat, or what are we going to drink, or what are we going to wear? And then he burns us. For the pagans run after all these things. Now, pagans aren't godless people. They just believe in gods that don't care about them, right? The people who were believing in Zeus and, and all the things, and they had an approach that God just didn't give a rip about them, and that they were all just kind of here on the earth, and they might get light bolded, lightning bolted tomorrow or whatever. He's saying, people who think that way worry all the time. Don't be like that. If you believe that God is your father in heaven, why would you think like that? That's a burn, right? The pagans think that way. And then this is huge. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Did you hear that? Your heavenly father knows that you need clothes and food and provision and stuff. Do you think he doesn't know that you need those things? Do you think he's not concerned for you? Because we live like, okay, God, you know it, but it's on me to handle it. So I'll take another yoke. 
Sure. We need to add a car. I'll add some hours. Make that payment. No problem. Right. We need to get you into the school. I make, you know, X number and I don't have the margin to get to Y tuition. Don't worry. We'll just borrow it on the future. I'll add hours to my life somewhere else. I'm not saying all debt is bad. I'm saying when your limit exceeds your load, things will break down. And here's Jesus saying, don't you know your heavenly father knows that you need them? Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Just be obedient to his word. Put the margin in. Trust God and see what he can do. Now, some of you are like, wait, I got a lot of examples of why that's not going to work in my life. Don't worry. We're just scratching the surface today. I just want you to not be able to argue with me that it's in here that we have to do this. And then we'll talk about how to do it in the next few weeks, right? Next week, we're going to talk about schedules. Then we're going to talk about money. So, you know, if you're a scheduler and you don't want to talk about money, that's the week to miss. But you should be here. We're going to talk about it. I'm not going to ask you for more, but we're going to talk about it, right? I may even bring some experts in to help. And then after that, we're going to talk about relationships and people. So we're going to get specific, okay? But before we get specific, let's just acknowledge that we have limits. And if we run to the edge of our fields, we are running past what God's permitted us to do with our time, our energy, our resources. If we're going back and trying to squeeze every ounce of water out of that rock, then we aren't living within the context of what God's asked us to call us to do. If you're so stressed that you won't have what God has already said he knows that you need, then you've gotten yourself outside of the boundaries of what God's called us as a people to do. He said, you're going to be a different kind of people. The ones that call to my name, you're going to look different. And your Bill of Rights and your Constitution and all that stuff, and, and right smack in the middle of the top ten, you're going to rest. You're going to have space. You're going to have margin. You're going to take a day off. You're going to, and you're like, I take two days off. Yeah, right. I see your days off. They go like this. Right? Now, listen, I, I got to say one more thing, and, and, and then we're going to pray. But here's what I know. And some of you are already got your arguments, and I got to at least address a couple of them, or you won't even come back and give me a shot. So listen, I know from years of just doing this, I, I talk to people a lot of times when they're in crisis, okay? Very few times that people call and they're just like, hey, Pastor Mike, Swan Leo, everything's awesome. Like, thanks, right? No, that doesn't happen that often. Usually it's crisis, okay? Usually it's this thing is broke and I, I broke it. And I don't know what to do. Here's what I know. Some of you are dads. And some, let's, let's just talk to dads first for a second, right? And, and, and you have tried to go at a certain pace. And here's what happens. You go at this pace and you're like, well, I don't have time for that. And I will. And it's not as important because I got to get here and I got to get this and I got to get this and I got to get this. And then something happens and it breaks. A relationship with your spouse breaks, with your kids, something breaks. And then all of a sudden you have to recalibrate. And now all the hours you could possibly need, you're willing to pour into this thing because you, you're like, well, I can't lose this because all the things I'm working for are to keep this. But I lost this. So, then, so here's what I want to challenge you to do. Use the hours before. Because you have the hours. I know you have the hours because I sat in, in a chair across from you and heard you say, yeah, well, I was able to pull all these hours now because we're in crisis. Don't let a crisis, don't wait till the fuse blows and the, and the grange is on fire to go, ah, this is a bad choice. Recognize it. It's a bad choice. Some of you 
are working at such a pace because you're like, if I could just get over this one spot, then I'll be able to, ah, and then I'll rest. And it's like you see some fictitious person who's retired and resting. You're like, that's the person I want to be. And you're, you're just like, you've set the bar so high and you're running and you're running and you're running. And then all of a sudden your health goes. And you blow a fuse. And then you're in my office and you're like, pray for me because i got to get back to work. I'm like, no. Stop asking me to pray for you to help you die. Right? Because you need some margin. So listen, what's the thing that keeps us from doing it? It's, it's a faith issue. Do I really trust God that I'll have enough, that I'll be okay, that my family will be okay, that it's okay to say no, that people won't think less of me, that people won't re- resent me if I don't do it? Listen, you can't go to every birthday party, every graduation party, every single thing on the schedule. You can't do it and be within margins in your life. You can't do it. It's okay to miss some of those things. People who have busy lives miss those things. And when they throw parties, they don't mind if you miss those things. Communicate. Take two seconds and text them. Hey, we love you, but we can't be there. Text is such a beautiful thing, right? It helps you just cut through. Like, you know that conversation that comes in and you're like, oh, this is going to be hard. And you just like voicemail. Hey, what do you need? I can't talk right now. Like, you don't have to get the 15 minutes of, you know, story to get to the point. Just give me the point. Is that harsh? Does somebody feel that? Right? Some of you are like, wait, you asked, you text me. No, listen. <laughs> None of you and me. I'm just saying for you and y'all, right? So use that resource that way. God wants you to have margin. Life is better with margin. Life is better with breathing room. It's better to live within the margins that God's given you than to crash and miss it. Here's what I'd like you to do. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing the chorus of this song one more time. But I'm going to give you some homework. Here's the homework assignment. And you're going to do the homework assignment as soon as I say it. Where do you need some breathing room? I am 100% certain that you already know the answer to that question. But if you've got to work on it, go ahead and work on it. But where do you need some breathing room? Because that's the area where fear is driving your life. And you need to bring some faith principles. So here's what I'd like you to do. We're going to just sing this chorus one more time. But, but as we do, I want you to be honest with God. Say, God, here's where I know I need some breathing room. Hallelujah. The greatest being to have possibly ever existed, the Lord our God, rested, demonstrated rest demonstrated that in his creation part of experiencing it was having room to breathe and enjoy his creation heaven's going to be awesome but we're here and he's designed us to breathe and have space it's his breath in our lungs anyways I know it's going to take some trust for some of us. Some of you are already like, but you don't know my list. Don't worry. We can fight for the next few weeks. It'll be fun. God, thanks. Thanks for caring enough about us to build into our DNA a desire and a need to rest, to appreciate, to genuinely experience your best margin space between the load that we're carrying and the pace that we're going at and the limit when things start to break 
when we emotionally break, when our souls can't take it, when sleep can't get us there. God, we don't want to depend on medicating ourselves so that we can go further. We want to rest so that you can fill us, so that we can operate out of the overflow and abundance of what you poured into us. God, I repent, we repent for trying to go to the edge of the field and see just how far, how fast for combing over for every morsel of what you've provided that that we think we are entitled to. God, I repent for thinking I have to get every single drop of what you've given. God, it's better with margin. Help me to appreciate what you've entrusted me with. God, I pray for families who are pushed to the edge of margin. God, help us to recalibrate to your word. I pray for marriages that are pushed to the edge. I pray for men and women whose relationships are pushed to the edge. God, we're not going to go that far. Help us to pull up and leave some space. Life's better that way. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We still friends? All right. Turn to someone. Give them a hug. Tell them, tell them this is for you to have some margin. DVR the game and talk with your family a little bit this afternoon. If you have a second and can throw some chairs on top of each other and help us for, for uh, breathing, freezing nights, that'd be awesome. God bless you.